Hello, children, and let me read you a story from my big book. Today we have Dub Talk Presents Endro. A quick warning, though, that... Hey, get that crown out of your nose. It'll get stuck there. <clears throat> anyway, the Dub Talk podcast may contain adult language and situations not appropriate for all audiences, including you can Okay, put the knife down, you little ankle biter. I don't even know where you got that. Ugh. Kids. This episode may also contain spoilers for Andro, so if that's not your thing... Make sure you're caught up before watching. And Harold, put that goldfish bowl down. You're not playing Astronaut again. That's why we had to flush Mr. Bubblesworth. And as always, opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect Dub Talk as a whole. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to get on the phone and give Lilac and my agent a call because doing a disclaimer in front of a kindergarten class, big mistake. And they're going to... <laughs> Why are the kids so mean to me? Hello, one and all, and welcome back to the Dub Talk Adventures Guild, the place where a group of friends get together go on quests, and find a way to defeat the evil demon lord. I am the hero Megan, joined with my archmage Roots. hey ho Be My fighter Jamal. Everything struck and crack a joke like that. And our archer Noah Clue. Why is it taking me a hundred years to clean up my room? That, that actually is a true thing that happens. I don't know. You have a lot of anime there. That, that is a difficult thing to keep track of. So I have great sympathy for the archer. The nearsighted archer. <laughs> Tonight, we are here to talk about Endro, the 2019 anime dubbed by Funimation and licensed also in partnership with Funimation and Crunchyroll. We're also here because I'm 28 now Yay! as of the day that this goes up. Happy now, birthday! I, there are what are the special things? <laughs> and you can if you're do wondering what I'm, <laughs> sorry, I know Ooh. there's there's special things you can do. Like, what are the special things one? I'm going to be doing for my actual birthday? I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be sleeping because I'll have come back from Anime NYC the day before. So to future Megan, I hope you had a baller time at Anime NYC. Baller. Future Megan at Anime NYC tied Andrew up in Times Square with the sign that says my waifu is trash. Aww. Ooh. You can't say that now. My Hero Academia is back in season. The, the, those fanboys will come out and hunt you down. Or hunt him down, I should say. Depends on what girl I said. Depends on what girl I say. Is this gonna be there like are no bad girls in My Hero Academia, except for Toga. I mean, could you even do the then... Same thing you no, no, Toka's not then, that she's... girl. And even then, Toka's got a really good backstory. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, I have gathered my friends and my boyfriend here for my birthday Hi. to talk about Endro, a show that you will all be surprised that Megan really likes. Because if you've ever met me, the anime I hate the most is K-On! 
which is a show about cute girls doing cute things. And the plot of Endro is cute girls doing cute things. <laughs> but before we talk about the plot to Endro, we have some people to thank. In fact, they're here as a member of the, the super secret Mechit's birthday party located in the scenic dub talk torture dungeon. Come see our cages. <laughs> Noah is very familiar. Our $5, our $5 Patreons, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis. All I'm imagining is the time we all we all got dragged to Chick-fil-A for breakfast. <laughs> and we locked Andrew and Noah in a playpen. Oh, locked and nothing. let Gigi ominously stare at it. Locked nothing. We, we crawled in that cage of our own fruition. We thrived in the Chick-fil-A cage. You're the only thing that has ever thrived in a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so yes, thank you to the people that you were thanking. Continue. Anyway, back to back to what I was thinking. We have our $5 patrons, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, and Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands. And our $10 tier, Brad Mitchell, Carly Lestacow, Jacob Wilson, Jer J2, a.k.a. Jared, Marco Bermudez, Marissa Lenti, and Wee B. Thank you again for your uh, support every month. We love you all. Thank you so much, guys. With our yaoi hands. <laughs> we, we promised. <laughs> uh, yeah. <coughs> so let's go over the plot of Ender really quick, which is on Narl Island, a hero named U uh, Yulia Yusha Chardet and her party of friends confront the demon lord plaguing the kingdom of uh, Lapanesta. However, when their stealing spell goes wrong and the girls inadvertently send the demon lord back in time to before Yusha became a hero. Reverted to the size of a small girl, the demon lord, now known as Mao, becomes a teacher at Yusha's adventure school with the aim of expelling Yusha so that she'll never become a hero in the future. Tonight, we are going to be doing a review of the dub of Endro, meaning that no predictions have come out. I believe this was one of the winter simul dubs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. January through March 2019. Of 2019? Yep, from Studio yes. Goku. So this was a winter simul dub. Uh, uh, yeah, from the studio that did, like, I actually looked up, like, what studio this was. This is actually done by the studio that did Yuki Yuna is a Hero. Mm-hmm. Among other things. Uh, they also did one of Noah's all-time favorite experiences in the world, Pandora and the Crimson Shell Ghost Urn. Woo! Wow, I haven't thought about that show in quite a while, but... Thanks for reminding me about that. I, I don't even think I finished that show because I I loved it so much <coughs> that I never got around to finishing it. By love, you beat that love. L look, look, at, I can never look at my computer's F port the same way again. F. That's what they called it. Press the only thing I remember from the Pandora and the Crimson Shell Ghost Urn. The only thing I actually genuinely remember from that episode is the beginning where Noah, where Hardy lovingly makes Noah remember the dramatical murder OVA. Yep. I mean, that that was a... I mean, you're going to remind me of that every chance you get, aren't you, Megan? I mean, you already know the answer to that. Now until the end of time. Press F port to pay respects. I mean, you want to talk about cages, um... Dramatical murder OVA for the win. God damn it, Jamal! 
That has nothing to do God with the show we're it, talking Jamal. about. But yeah, Gokumi has this fascination. No, just Jamal did a very, very... Like, it was cringe. Plus F ports to pay respect. I don't even Damn know where it. that meme comes from. I've just been seeing it posted a lot. And never by, never by good people. It's a Call of Duty joke. Oh, it's a Vigi game reference. Gotcha. A Vigi game. Anyway, let's get uh, started with our directors and writers. So directing the show is Jade Saxton. Assistant directing her is Morgan Loray Garrett. And the writers are Jessica Cavanaugh and Beth Featherstone, who specifically did episode five. Jade Saxton, you'll know for her directing work on Tokenrambu Hanamaru, How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift, and The Helpful Fox Senko-san. Morgan Garrett also helped to assist and direct The Helpful Fox Senko-san, Ostra Lost in Space, and Fairy Gone. Jessica Cavanaugh worked on series such as Fuka, Katana Maidens, Toji no Miko, and because this is about the most close, because nothing says happy, cheerful, colorful pastel adventure like Golden Kamui. Beth Featherstone worked on, uh, hasn't done many scripts, but she has done scripts for series such as Renichi Ekodachan and Robotics Notes. So tonight's order, let's do Jamal, uh, Roots, then Noah, then myself. So, Jamal, if you can start us off. Well, with Jade Saxon, I'm going to sound like a broken record over and over again. With Jade, she's been known to do sincerity in her work, but at times she'll also do comedy when need be. I, I was pleasantly, I pleasantly enjoyed the, the dub she directed for this. I also pleasantly enjoyed her casting because if you paid attention, he's only a no-name background character, but if you paid attention, this is probably the only time in history you will ever hear Alejandro Saab go oo-goo in an anime ever. Uh, Morgan LeRae, I do believe... I know, right? <laughs> but we'll get more to that later, but uh, Morgan LeRae, this is probably... This was actually her first in Assistant ADR credit. It's like the first show she ever helped Jade with, actually. First show in general. And I thought she did a very good job. Like, I mean, I've seen a lot of her other works, too. But for the, for the beginning, this was this was very neat. Uh, Jessica Kavanaugh. I, I really like her script work and how she... Uh, uh, Pick some choice lines here and there because I know uh, at one point I hear you should not her luck and May's making a pun and she says, "Don't be you don't deserve to be that smug about that pun." And I'm like, <laughs> I got a little ammo for somebody now. But uh, when she needs to make jokes, she'll go there when need be. I don't know what her strength is. Like it seems, I can't tell if it's comedy, sci-fi, whatever, baby. But it looks like she can adapt to the situation very easily. Uh, Beth, we want Beth Featherstone. I'm not as familiar with her. I mean, I've seen Richie Echo the Chad, and I've seen Robotics Notes, but I haven't really paid attention to like what episode she wrote, if it, if as many. But she did. Pretty decent. She did pretty good on episode 5. Uh, you have to remind me again what episode 5 was, though. That's the thing. 
that was... I'm about to actually go pull it up, that's why. <laughs> I remember four was the mackerel episode, so five was when the princess shows up for the first time. Oh, yes, the princess. Yes, <laughs> the princess. Oh, we'll get to her later, but... We, we got no... But yeah, they, yeah, that is the episode where uh, Rona shows up for the first time. But yeah, that everybody did very well. And, hey, I have no complaints here. Me with Jade Saxton, done, you can't go wrong. And that's all I got to say. Uh, Roots. Yeah, I um, I do have to say that while the scripts do feel like they're a bit looser in their translation i do like how the uh how the jokes were really kind of punched up like they they actually did hit and more often than they miss and uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of one right off the top of my head i know the um the mackerel episode in particular, yeah. the one that really stood out for me in terms of just pun after pun after pun after pun after pun. And, you know, translating that from the Japanese can be kind of tough. So I was not going to give them a hard time for adapting it to begin with. But, you know, it, it actually worked out very, very well. Uh, Jade Saxon as a director on on Endro, I um I don't think I'm actually used to her doing traditional European fantasy. Like typically, her simuldub slate has been either the the lighthearted comedies or stuff that is really steeped in Japanese folklore. So this is kind of refreshing and. She did a really good job with the comedic elements. And we'll be going into this throughout the course of the episode, but the casting was fairly solid as well. So, thumbs up. I'm all set. All right. Well, I, I wish I could be the dissenter of the group. I wish I could be the rogue that said, ah, I thought this was sucked and it's just uh, the worst kind of adaptation you could get. But... Uh, nope, no, <laughs> no. It's a very, um, it's a very surprising change from what I thought I was gonna get because Endro, our end role, is very. It's in that mm -hmm. same tradition of Slayers and uh, Konosuba kind of shows that are all set in, like you're saying, roots in European fantasy, medieval D and D kind of world. And we've seen a lot of those before. I've seen uh, some of them got really dark, like Goblin Slayer. Some of them are more on the goofy side, like Konosuba. So in going into this, I was surprised to find that it was somewhere in between them where the characters are... F it's a very farcical look at it because lots of bad things happen to the characters. There's goofy situations all abound. They poke fun at the cliches nonstop. Like one character oh. says, the, char the, the hero is not really heroic. She... Goes to school, eats a box lunch, goes shopping, and uh, she's not really yeah. heroic. <laughs> um, so with that, how do you direct something like this into English? And the answer is, uh, just make it a Monty Python-style farcical comedy. And they did a really good job. Jade and Morgan uh, directed the characters to have like sincere-sounding voices when they're um, like going out on their adventure or talking amongst each other about their deepest 
feelings and then get really cartoonishly over the top, not, not even over the top, like just at the top when situations get crazy and over the top. And I, I enjoy that because the four mains that they cast did a really good job at balancing each other out. Um, I, I had a little trouble at first because in the very opening of the show, you guys remember, we yeah. see them fighting the Demon Lord. I could not tell the difference in the voices at the very beginning um, because they just thrown us right into a situation where they're all fighting. Like, you can't really tell their different personalities from that first episode. But once we go back to in time and we go back to them in their school days... Uh, their personalities really stood out more, and I could tell the difference between the four of them and some of the side characters as well. So, good job on directing for Jaden Morgan. Th this was fun to listen to. And not only was it fun, but it was really well written. Both Jessica and Beth's handling of it is, let's have it be easily understandable through most of it. And then, let's throw in colloquialisms. Oh, God, do we love colloquialisms. Just lots of... Uh, word choices that you don't think that a medieval setting kind of person would know. But they throw them in uh, to show the the overreactions or, like you're saying, Root, some of the puns that they have. And it carries the whole show throughout. I think it after episode one, it, it hits its stride and stays consistently good throughout. So, yeah, to, uh, to palate cleanse from something like Goblin Slayer, which I watched just last week, this was a refreshing show. And, again, I'm really surprised that this was the show that Megan picked out. But having watched it, I can see the charm of it. So thank you, Megan. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're welcome. Wait a minute. All right, I'm stopping the clock. What's up? Endro is a pun on end roll. Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I didn't realize it till a couple days ago myself, so. Son of a bitch. But then again, but then again, oh. give it the first episode. It makes sense now. Oh, I'm so glad that you didn't realize it until just now, Roots. That was a great reaction. Thank you. Have a piece of candy. I'm going to take that candy and I'm going to eat it. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So, um, Megan, you were saying... Yeah, no, um, I am really used to Jade Saxon stuff, but not in the way that everybody thinks it is, because if there's one other thing that Jade Saxton directs a lot of, she directs a lot of shows based on Japanese mobbage franchises. <laughs> like, a lot of them, actually. <laughs> um, she is, she does the mobbage franchise shows, like, that's what I watch that Jade Saxton directs. As well as, like, the fantasy shows. Here's the one thing I really like about Endro. In a year that has had so many goddamn fucking isekai, this is not one. This is just a fantasy show. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely enjoy the dub. I think this is a really sweet, very cute dub that does a lot of things right. And, though the one big complaint I have, though, is that sometimes I feel like the writing is holding itself back a little bit. Um... I think that they did a good job translating a lot of the colloquial and pun stuff. Uh, specifically, uh, May drops a, bun of, a bunch of them at the beginning of episode five. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, they, they, they run into... Can, can I... To which I watched episode four with my mom where uh, the little Jerry Jewel maid comes out. Oh, God. And my mom was laughing her ass off to the mackerels. The mackerel men. <laughs> Which, if you've never actually seen Endro, they are literally the reverse mermaids, where they have, like, 
fish bodies, but they have, like, big, chunky, hairy, like, legs on them, and it's just very strange-looking. Um, and just that that one just happens to be very clearly voiced by Jerry Jewel. Yeah. So I'm just trying not to die. And my mom goes, oh, do you know who that is? And I'm just like, I'm just lying to her, like, nope, 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 no, I don't. I've been doing a podcast for five years, Bob. I have no idea who that is. Uh, but sometimes it made me wonder why um, one of Jade's other frequent collaborators, uh, Leah Clark, wasn't doing the scripts for this show. Because I feel like, though, I, I do feel like Leah would have added a little bit more punch to some of the scenes. Because there are times that stuff is funny, but it's not like I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life one-liner funny. But I do think Jessica and Beth do a really good job. I think that Morgan and Jade's direction is very solid. I, I genuinely think this is one of the more interesting ensemble casts for the year for a show of um, cutesy girls doing cutesy things. I'll give... I really do want to give Jade credit for not going with every oblivious answer for characters in this show. Um, so this is genuinely just a very solid watch. Like... I, I remember I started the dub back when it was still airing and just being immediately endeared to the cast of this show. Yep. And that's why I, I started to pick up the dub and in turn the cast of this show endeared me to the, the story of this show, which um, kind of reminds me of... Well, I don't think it's as actually good as as my favorite Jade-directed show, which is still Token Rambi Hanamaru. It's still one of my favorite anime. Uh, which also be another really good choice for for the writing on the show would have also been Clint Bickham, who can walk that line. Um, but again, I don't think Jessica Kavanaugh is a bad writer on this. I just, I think she did a really good job. I just think that the comedy aspect maybe wasn't as punchy as it was going to be. Mm. And I don't know if that's just the show or just me wanting it to be a little bit more snarky and a little bit more funny based on some clips I've seen from other comedy anime dub that have come out this year. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I would point towards the fact that, uh, yeah, there are lots of funnier moments where it, the show makes fun of the content, but at the end of the day, and especially with how the final conflict is resolved, they have to be sincere. Yeah. They have. Though to, I will say yeah. this, though, what am I... They have to have heart. Mm-hmm. And you know, too, it's odd nutrition yeah, for the, the heart. The show is very sincere in what it is about. Right. So, so I, I think, yeah. I mean... The show I, is very comfy and very cutesy. Right. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, but, but your point is that I think that Jade has directed shows that walk that line of being like cutesy slice of life stuff that have a lot of heart in it. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those shows. And I think she did a really good job uh, putting the cast together. So with that, are we are we ready to move on to the first set of characters? The first character. Because we're just going to talk about everybody individually. There's like six characters we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. okay. So, Wait, hold, let, me, let me hold up this one This is finger. not a very big cast. No, it's not. I, I want to point out that one thing I didn't notice till halfway through the show is that all of the, the eye catches in the middle of the show, the characters are holding up the number of fingers that correlate to the episode number. Oh, okay. Oh, that's wow, very, yeah. okay. Yeah, I also like... <laughs> So, I also like that all of, though this is probably a pain in the ass on, on their end, all of the eye catches had lip flaps. Yep. 
Which is a pain. I mean, luckily it's... Which probably was a pain. Um. Yeah. So, let's move on to the first character. That is Princess Rona. Princess Rona is the princess of the kingdom of, uh, I, of La... There. La Panesta. They, she is also the face of the royal family that funds the adventurer school. She shows up after... She's enamored with the hero of legend. She essentially shows up and then confirms that, yes, Yusha is, uh, Yusha is the hero of legend. And she kind of does a lot of things. Playing Rona is Amberly Connors. Amberly Connors, you'll know as characters such as Princess Takari and Katana Maidens. Kathali Nota Senerinis from... Sorry, I gotta do that one again. Kathali Nota Serioranis from World End. And May Ihara from Citrus. Fitting in that Princess Rona is a giant <laughs> lesbian. Ah, uh, yes. We couldn't get enough lesbians in this show. <laughs> she is... She is very... Like, very, very enamored with Yusha, and I feel like, I feel like this is because, like, as the show, I think, kind of makes it out that all of the heroes before Yusha have probably been male. Uh, yeah, everyone yeah. So, nine hundred and Every one of them were male. And so were all their, of them were male. So that would make sense of why, why she was probably expecting it, and, but, yeah, Rona is... About as straight as cooked spaghetti. Um. There is no heterosexual <laughs> explanation for Princess Rona. Not at all. <laughs> Princess Rona says lesbian rights. Um. Anyway, Jamal, go ahead. Well, when it comes to Abilene Connors, there's two kinds of voices I distinct between her. The girl next door type of vibe and some types of crazies. In this case, Princess Rona kind of falls into both at times, and someone who's cooked spaghetti, yeah, she get, yeah, she wants the hero. <laughs> there's no beat, there's no beat around the bush. She's crazy for Yusha after find after finding her out, because you know she has this whole encyclopedia, encyclopedic knowledge of every hero in the past. So seeing how Yusha is kind of different in some ways. It kind of makes Abba a, a bit more endearing because, you know, she has to put up this, she has to use this high pitch of hers just to, just to relate how excited she can be at times, how, uh, actually, I don't think she only has two types of attitudes, excited and sad, but, you know, we're worried, really. But I, I, Abba does pretty good job, I mean, it took me a little while from episode five, but once you see the crazy kick in, it's like... Yep, this is definitely that Billy Connors role. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't have a lot to say about Princess Rona. I mean, you know, she's there to observe for poor. To maybe, you know, be a, little, be a bit crazy at times. But hey, you know. And also to be a DID. Oh, yeah, that's another thing I meant to bring up. Because, you know, being the princess, she was kind of sheltered for a bit. Kind of reminds me of one of the other characters in another show. But, Abba did a very good job in this role. That's all I, uh, that's all I have to say. Okay. Alright, so, my turn now. Let's see. Um, to be honest, I, I've heard Amberly Connors a lot more since... Um, since the past couple of episodes I've done where she has played a character. 
I'm still not quite 100% used to her voice yet, so I can't, like, place her when she plays a character. She she has a voice that sounds like a bunch of other actresses. <coughs> not Not a bad thing per se, but, you know... Um, I, I do happen to really like the, um, when she goes into the fangirl mode and just, yeah, she just spouts out random facts about the past heroes and, you know, their accomplishments. I, I really like, I think it was episode six or seven where she decides to journey with each member of the heroes party to get to know them. Yeah, I think it was six. Yeah. Where she's just like, oh yeah, this is just... No, I think it's seven, because six is when Mal gets really six. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Where she's just like, oh yeah, this is just like the uh, the mage of hero 342, or the fighter of hero 961, blah blah blah. Now, now we make fun of that, sure, but don't tell me that there aren't some people in our group who can't name, can't name every one of the Pokemon out there, all... However many number there are and still growing right now. It's over 800. And yes, I Nine. can. There we go, right there. So if we send Roots on a quest that involves knowing all the Pokemon out there, he's our Rona. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> Princess Roots. Okay, no. Yeah. You... Quit while you're ahead, though. I don't know. I could think. I think he could walk. I don't know. I think he could rock Rona's dress. He's already fluffy. Oh. <laughs> 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 but then there also not- there is also the other side of her, which is sort of the the damsel in distress. She has the utmost faith in the hero, and in the last couple of episodes where she's kidnapped by the Demon Lord, uh, she displays that faith, and yeah. I I thought it was really funny when it had to be, really dramatic when it had to be performance, and thumbs up. You can go now, Noah. Okay, sorry. My wife had, was having me scratch her back. Because, because when you love someone very much, you take good care of them. Just like how Rona absolutely adores Yusha. Um, what was I going to say about... Um, okay, so Rona is a terrible human being. Just like the worst human being in this entire show. And some people may say, no, the Dark Lord is the worst. No, no, no. Rona is the worst. You want to know why? Because she is royalty and she uses hard-earned taxpayer money to bribe one of the characters into basically putting on a LARP campaign for her. That is just awful. Like, do you know what that money could be going towards? And she spends it on that... I rest my case. But as far as the acting goes, <laughs> really Connors um, is very cl- it has a much clearer and flightier voice compared to some of the air characters. Like she's supposed to have more of a feminine touch to her and I do agree Roots that um, there's not exactly a distinct voice that I've uh, pegged Amberly Connors for just yet because she's uh, played a mix of characters in the past. But for this one, it definitely plays more on the the cutesier but more evil side of her. But she's 
not really supposed to be an unappealing character. She's, you know, supposed to, like, we're supposed to be endured by her uh, fangirl fanaticism. And Amber pulls that off very well. And it's it's cute also when she does get captured near the end and she's uh, kind of, like, fawning over the demon lord or, it's like, not really threatened by her at all. But she's, like, still in her fangirl mode, so... Uh, for what she do- goes through the whole thing, and I want to give full props to her for absolutely decimating it in the melon eating competition. Like that is something to be condemned—not condemned, something to be commemorated. So good job, Amber. Am I good to go? You are good to go, Megan. So I'm really used to Amber Lee Connors, like not playing the cutesy types of characters. Uh, like, the biggest thing that I'm used to her being in is uh, Kono Oto this year, where she's... Uh, shit, I'm blanking on that character's name. Hozuki? Uh, oh, fuck, what the hell is her name from Kono Oto? Hozuki! Thank you! And Hozuki is very, a very, very big departure from Rona. Um... She's not she's not sultry. Rona is adorable. I actually couldn't imagine that was Amber Lee Connors for a while because like I think the only time I ever remember her really sounding like that was uh Catholi from World End, which we did a while ago, and frankly, I don't like that show very much. Um That's a show I I literally cannot tell you anything about that show other than everybody has a stupid name. You're um, not wrong. She's cute. The only other, okay, there's two things I remember that that and making Andrew really pissed off. Um, <laughs> but Rona is really cute. She's a she's a ton of fun going between fangirling and like these uh, like even the show I think kind of makes fun of it. Is Mal was like especially in the last episode where Mal was like, "Why were you so ominous to me?" She goes, "I don't know." Huh, I never really thought about that. Or when she's just like, she's kind of got like this hell is paved with good intentions kind of thing. And to me, as much as the episode where she kind of goes around following everyone's like a really big highlight, the other one is when she fakes her own abduction. Yeah. Yeah. And and she makes the Demon Lord castle and just the giddy childish glee in Amber's voice as Rona where she's like, I re- had my top guards. Uh, take take over and become the demon generals just like in the past and she's like freaking out but by the end of it she she reigns that like fangirling back in for like this genuine sincere moment where she's just been like oh god I've been reducing Yusha down to uh just being the hero and not that she's an actual person and <laughs> this whole time she's never thought of me that way and I thought it was just this really sweet moment that Amber kind of really nails. She's a really, really fun secondary character in this in this show, and I think she she does a lot of really good work here. So I would actually like to hear Amber play more of these characters uh, in other things. So, are we ready to move on to our next character? Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Who some may argue is the best character in the show. Oh, I, I don't May. Think any argument May is the, the team's archmage, <laughs> May is the team's archmage who has a dry sense of humor and is obsessed with Cartado. Cartado being the magic card system that uh, everybody uses in this world to use magic. She's 
a hardcore collector uh, and does anything she can to research and or get her hands a, uh, on the hand, like her hands a hold of cards. In uh, one of my highlight moments of the show is that uh, Rona actually buys her a bunch of really rare cards at this like seedy underground Cartado bar. And she's going to take them in this old guy who I think is, I think it's either Kent Williams or Mark Stoddard. Is like, little miss, if you take those cards, you're going to spit in the face of every collector in here. And she just doesn't do it. And she shows restraint. And it's just really funny. Playing May is Trina Nishimura. Trina Nishimura, you've heard characters such as Bebe Young in Anime Gatari, Anime Gatari's, Edwina in Maria the Virgin Witch, and Kyoka Jiro in My Hero Academia. Uh, Jamal, if you can start us off. Uh, yeah, I think Trina was perfect for this role because, as you can tell, May is a pretty huge nerd when it comes to Cartado, like, nonstop. And Trina has the perfect nerd voice for that kind of character. Especially when she starts rambling on yelling in moments. I I, I just found I just found myself listening to May more and more. I don't, I don't know what it is. I thought, you know I thought it was gonna be one of those cases I'd have a difficult time with, but is May is kinda of like someone you can kind of relate to if you ever been like Involved in like card games or that kind of thing. And it's funny you brought a Pokemon earlier because I was thinking with the whole Cartado system, it's kind of like back when they had the Pokemon cards. They still have Pokemon cards. I know they still do, but I'm talking about like back in the day when people used to collect them. I don't see as, as many people collected them anymore, but something kind of like. I can confirm. My son, my first grade son, said that there are kids in his class who play that game like on breaks. So it is still alive and well. I don't know about the collecting portion of it. I think they're just like trading cards back and forth, but it, it will never die. I understood. I think probably one of my favorite moments of maze when they all tried to become the leader. They tried to figure out like how to determine who would be a great leader. Her suggestion is she just pulled all night in the card shop, and then she gets to die. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how many of us have not done that? I've never done that, so yeah. I got better things to do with my time. You think I'm a poet all night? Okay, maybe. Okay, how about this? Have you ever stayed in line for like a convention panel hours ahead of the panel to make sure that you get a spot? I think my first time at AP. I don't. I don't know. I don't even remember what it was for. To be honest. But it was about the passion. Weren't you the only one of us that ended up getting into that Johnny Bosch autograph session, even though the rest of us got fucked out of it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Your persistence paid off there. <laughs> I have the patience of a saint. Anyway, you thought Drew was perfect for this role. So I got to say so. Very good. Mm-hmm. Princess Roots. God oh, good damn it. <laughs> you know, as he says that, I'm I'm flipping through uh, Magic the Gathering cards on my on my workstation, so hmm. <laughs> Um anyway, um I'm gonna be honest here. I was not initially a fan of the performance. 
it um at first it seemed a little bit irritating and it took until god there there was a point where she, uh, where her character arc endeared to me it but um the voice itself didn't gel with me until later is what i'm trying to say it to me it didn't quite fit the character design so it ended up being a little off-putting, and I think it was the um, the Cartado shop scene in episode seven where it just kind of worked, and I I really liked it from that point on. Uh, she definitely gets a lot of the more comedic moments of the show. So, one thing I will say that even though I really wasn't a fan of of the voice she gave the character. Her comedic timing and performance was pitch perfect. So, I I really have to give her a thumbs up for it. And um, the Cartado Festival episode is probably my favorite point of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That poor girl. <laughs> they just sacrifice them to the gods. Where she just like I I really like the dance at the end where they're they're singing in gibberish. And Trina has to do that while also kind of mixing in a little bit of a cry. It was great. It was funny. I like this. Thumbs up. It was the living embodiment of, this is fine. <laughs> Screams internally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That entire scene is just like, this is fine. <laughs> Very literally. She even tries, like, trying to explain it away to herself, like... The tear... Just, like, it's... <laughs> Not your thing? No, it's just, like, the only thing I'm imagining as as May is crying, watching the, all of the Cartado cards being, like... Like, uh... Like, being set on fire as she's holding hands and singing the little village song... Everybody else is just, like, not crying, and then there's her. Just her internal monologue song is just, when you try your best, you don't <laughs> succeed. Oh, man. Coldplay's Fix You intensifies in May's mind. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Just May's just, like, dying inside as she, and that's, just, it's that or, that or Hello Darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Anyway, back to your point, Roots of Justice. Oh, I was I was done. I. I, I oh no, clue. I, please I, go. Give me, give me that cartada card. I'll take that from here. This uh, Trina Nishimura. That that's a name that's interesting to hear in this voice because when I think Trina, I think her lower, uh, not not emo, but more stoic characters like Mikasa from Attack on Titan. Mikasa from Attack on Titan or, voice. Or Akari from uh, School Rumble. Um, yeah, that uh, archetype, which she does very well. And it, I have to uncouple that from my mind because this is an entirely different kind of voice. Um, but I will agree with you, Roots, that it's it took me a little to get into um, because it's obnoxious. And I think it's supposed to be. It, it, was, it yeah. wasn't like yeah. someone trying something and failing. It was very much what she was trying to do. She's the most 
spastic out of all of them. She's the one who has the the most um, wild takes. There, there's a scene in like episode one or something where the characters are kind of like just describing who they are, or what their gimmick is, and she's like speaking in tongues, almost talking about the intensity of her love for Cartada, and the, the characters have to like drag her out as she's getting way too into it. And I, I really like it though because. It, it, it reminds me a whole lot of people who are really into different kinds of fandoms, very shamelessly, and it, it, it uh, it's a good balance to some of the other characters. So even though Trina gives her a more obnoxious voice, especially when she's more spastic or um, like, uh, really getting into her katata descriptions or deep in her dreams or anything like that, it oh does, yeah, it, it really does fit, and I I can't dislike it like. I don't know. I guess um, it, it was just it, it was so sincere and so well acted, and also like you were saying, very well done in the comedic timing. That giving it a slightly obnoxious voice did not bug me. It really didn't, and so that is why I call her the best character in the whole show. So, the the closest thing that I guess I can compare it to is um, she sounded a little bit like uh, Cynthia Martinez, who has a similar raspy, scratchy voice of like an almost supernatural way to exemplify her characters and that also is one that some people find a little annoying but i think is very uh interesting to listen to so i i really like trina's portrayal of this and the character is my absolute favorite calling it from the beginning calling it all the way to the end the best character may she live long and find those cartata cards forever card collector sakura that, that is, imagine a revamp of that but cartata, cartata collector may it's just May. Just, just imagine. If- oh! oh God, May is a trip. Yeah. Oh God, stop him! Shut up, Noah. Noah, your right, your rights have been revoked. I didn't say anything. Oh, who was singing the card captors theme? I was. Nobody was singing it, but I just remember she also played May in Card Captor Sakura. Okay, I I had like a phantom go through on my computer and. I- I just heard like the old English card captors theme. Yeah, I don't. I oh. haven't even heard of that song. Let's let's not talk about that. I do not want to remember that song. Let's move on. What were you saying, Megan? I'm fucking tripping balls. <laughs> apparently, I'm tripping balls. Apparently, that's the answer. Just like um, Meg. So I'd like to point out that. I'm tripping balls, just like May when the the Cartado eating dream monster comes up. (laughs) That was the fucking weirdest shit. Yeah. It's like her getting married to a sentient Cartado card. It's so sincere. And the only thing I can think of is these are the people who want to fuck the Dark Magician girl. (laughs) Oh, good God. It's time to cuck a cuck cuck Oh no no no! <laughs> like um, that scene. With don't the worry, card- don't worry. They're probably in protective sleeves. They won't damage them. <laughs> no, the the whole thing with the uh, the heart of the cards is coming through. <laughs> Ow, my brain, Megan. But that whole this thing with the uh, not sorry with the this- Cartado card with the human face. It's a Christian. I um. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh really hard about that because the um, the face reminded me of this um, of this Flash cartoon of the Legend of Zelda, 
where yeah. it's um, it's the end of Ocarina of Time, and um, Link and Ganondorf are fighting like squirting milk out of their nipples, and it was hilarious. I'll, I'll have to link that to you guys when we're done. Like, it, it is actually legit funny. And there was a... Like, they both make this handsome dude face. And I just couldn't unsee it. I laughed so hard. Anyway, Megan. Continue, please. It's okay. So, I think the thing is, I actually really liked Trina's performance from the get-go. Mostly because this isn't a performance I necessarily remember Trina doing. Um, I know I was talking to Andrew about this a little bit, and he's like, yeah, I know, like, sometimes even he couldn't, like, believe that this was a Trina Nishimoto performance. Uh, and it's genuinely actually one of my favorite in the show. There's a dry sense of humor to her delivery. She, she nails a lot of May's snark, because May does have as many, for as many spastic moments... She has some very black comedy moments, which... <laughs> one of them yeah. is they, they jump down this hole to go to the Cartado Festival... And uh, Sarah is like, uh, Sarah's like, well, I guess fine. You are fearless, and I guess you are too. You'll do anything for Cartado. Actually, I'm freaking out right now. Well, you don't look it. Yeah, I'm the type of person who would dr uh, drown in silence. <laughs> Aren't you just a ray of sunshine? <laughs> Though, and then like one of her more wild takes is when uh, she's in the dream and she's like, let's combine our dreams to stop the evil Sarah. <laughs> from destroying all of them, let us live our happy dreams, and she's kind of going insane. Um, but Trina is just such a treat in this, and I don't feel like there, Trina's been in as many things this year, so this was just a lot of a lot of fun to sit and listen to. Um, I just thought she was a, such a breath... She, it was just really funny, because I, I wouldn't have actually pegged her to be this character. This is something that, like... Yeah. I could have actually seen like Brita Palencia, like Brita Palencia being, or um, even some. I'm trying to think of somebody else who would who would have done this, like off the top of my head that does a fun, like worse at Funimation, or like Jade actually herself being this character. Yeah, like this is somebody that, like Jade would be. Uh, so I I genuinely enjoyed it. I I can see the criticisms because I I would think that a lot of people would hear it and see it was like kind of nasally and stereotypical, but she really does nail all of these super nerdy type of bullshit things. Like, one of my other favorite moments in the show is where she's uh, naming all the beach monsters, and she's got the book conveniently hidden behind her back. Yeah. <laughs> I used to fuck with Sarah. Um, and she, she, she kind of, like, pisses on Sarah at every chance that she can get in a sense. <laughs> like... They, they, they kind of, like, she kind of takes her shots at her a lot. Um, I mean, to be no, fair, the, who does the Cartado, it? The Cartado Festival is, like, her episode, and uh, to be fair, Sarah's an easy target. <laughs> I mean, you're not But the Cartado wrong. Festival was a really... The, the Cartado episode was, like, a really big highlight for her and all that she could do, and, uh, like, the whole part where she's like, can you identify the cart? Yep. Like... You talked about, like, Sarah, like, May being the person that can name every Pokemon, like, off the top of their list. Like, this is no joke that I could probably name the entire English dub cast of Token Rambu Hanamaru if you showed me a picture of the character without second-guessing. <laughs> like, I, I, I could identify with him. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. No, I know you're not kidding. That I admire that. I'm like, where can I get some of that? 
some of that raw natural talent. It's 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 kind of helpful when you have to cast shows with like fifty boy characters in it because <laughs> you start to learn about people that don't do a ton of anime. Like there's a show that's airing right now that we're going to do an episode on eventually that's expanding my knowledge of boys. Um like Cartado cards. Uh but are we all good to move on? Yeah. Gotta catch mm-hmm. them all. Yeah, I'm good. Alright, so let's talk about the fighter of the group, Fi. Uh Fi. Fi's thing is that she likes to fight and she likes to eat. In fact, I have an apt description of this that I need to find. Like I said, Fi Fi likes to eat and fight. Like Pinkie Pie likes to throw a party. By the way, guys, did you know that as of the last episode of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, that Pinkie Pie has a child with a weird Al OC pony? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, God. That was all over Twitter today. After nine years. That's right, kids. Pinkie Pie has canonically fucked. That, that should not surprise anyone. Pinkie Pie has canonically fucked. Look, Megan, Megan, it's established very early on that she is a party girl. A party pony. I'm just saying. I, I'm, uh, okay. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, Right behind you, Roots. Yeah, 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 you two, get back here. (laughs) Oh, God, I've been waiting for this, like, the entire day. (laughs) My my brain is just melted all over my computer desk. I'm done. I want to go to bed. Good night, everybody. How about... We'll make this better. How about we serve up seven flavor fish to make it worth your while? I'm listening. Excellent. <laughs> you see, Megan, you just gotta know how to talk it's to me. Just like Goofy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just like Goofy. Anyway, playing Fi is Danny Chambers. Danny Chambers, you'll know his voice of Chise Hatsuri from the Ancient Megas Bride, Aya Satachi uh, Bana in Harukana Receive, and Sarah Garando in Island, aka Less Crazy You Know. Oh man, did you actually watch that show? I did. No, but like three people, like okay, um, our our friends that are at least on my Discord slash, uh, one of them is our patron. Uh, Crimson watches it, and our friend Got watches it, and our other friend Greg watches it. Uh, Pika Greg watches it, and every time in our spoiler rooms that you know gets discussed, I cannot believe that you know the girl who uh whatever the full title of that is is an actual thing. Like, I don't believe that's a real anime. <laughs> oh, it's real. <laughs> it is, it is, it is, it has things in it that, like, I'm like, this is what the prototype for Steinsgate was? What the fuck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Having, uh, I think I'm the only one in this group who has watched all of Island. Yeah, there, there's. I, oh, ha- yeah, I've seen it too. Oh, you and I, I like to take a moment to shame Andrew for calling the hair crazy stupid. It's called an Afro genius. Can, okay, without being insensitive, can it be an Afro if she's Japanese? Yeah, it's just a hairstyle. It's, I'm, I mean, Bob Ross has an Afro. So. That is a good point. So I guess Jamal, do you want to go first? Talking. Oh right. It's yeah, my, go ahead, Jamal. It's oh you. right, it's my turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad we're talking about Danny Chambers because anytime we talk about her, she's 
we usually talked about a group with somebody else because she has a tendency to bounce off characters you see associated with. But Fire Fire is a ball of energy. She just needs to stand on her own. Like Fire Fire is can be a bit crazy at times because you know she was like she even said so herself. She was like raised in the forest, and it obviously shows. I will admit, it did take me a little bit getting used to the first episode, especially when you see the group talking and uh, Sailor's just flashing back to when she's trying to wake Fire Fire up, to which that, <laughs> that scene was so funny. I was like, that scene's probably a better wrestling scene than all of this year's WWE Hell in a Cell. I mean, you just need Alex for podcast or day to narrate that. That was funny. <laughs> Which, by the way, in Japanese, that didn't come off so good. It came off better than the uh, but... You know, Fi Fi... Yeah, she's a hug... She's pretty much a hugger, I guess, for adventure and food. And Daddy manages to convey that very perfectly. Uh, I was gonna say... I don't know if it was because of another show she was in, which... We will talk about that much later. But I... I think she made the perfect five fired. Yeah, even if you know when she gets a bit hangry, she has a tendency to nibble on Saber's ears. <laughs> hey girl, come on, let me nibble on your ear. But I I don't know. I can't really find the words to describe it because five five is so energetic, and five five is my daughter. And I'm willing to protect her every step of the way. Even if she can fed out her own, because, you know, this world, you don't know what to expect when this world comes around. <laughs> and I'm good, so, uh, who's next? Yeah, uh, my turn, I guess. <laughs> Somebody's still broken about something. <laughs> um... Oh, good. Anyway. Seven flavor fish. Seven anyway, <laughs> and um, golden apples. Jamal. Anyway, anyways. Um, not gonna lie. Danny Chambers as Five High is probably looking at my short list for W for comedic female performance. Really? Yep. Do tell. Because, um... The... Translating... The phenomenon I like to call... Moe blobs... Doesn't always work when... Translating from... Japanese to English. And... God, if the... If the me from... Two years ago would hear me say this. The me from two years ago wouldn't believe me. But um, Danny Chambers can do the Moe Blob very, very well. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Soft and squishy. But um, not only that, like, she gets some really great line reads through the course of... The 12 episodes we get of Endro. Um, I... I really like her... Her line when she's inter 
introducing yourself, where it's basically, yeah, I like to eat and I like to punch things. Which, it, it, it was really great. Line delivery was great. But, um, I just have to hand it to her with the comedic timing of the character, because she's... She's supposed to be the absolutely adorable one who will basically kick your ass two ways to Sunday. The the bubbles, if you will. <laughs> Breaking Powerpuff goes into this now, huh? Yeah. Yes, I am. Which is uh, funny because May is the blue one, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also funny because there's no green one, but... Shrug. But Bubbles does have the blonde hair. There you go. Does that make you should blossom? I uh, mean, technically. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's, that's I really like Danny Chambers' performance. And like I said, it... I don't mind saying publicly that she is on my short list for Debbie's. So, there we go. Interesting. We are coming up to the end of the year, so that that list has uh, got to get whittled down soon. I actually had to check to make sure that this was a 2019 show just so that I could say that. But, it is. So I can. Yeah. And I did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I... I'm sorry I'm laughing, but I've had to hold... Okay, you have no idea. When I learned that Pinkie Pie was a child, I had to hold it in to break two of you on the episode. So I just put it on my Discord. Megan, Megan. She and, called me and last And Mario night comes back and it's to just... To tell me. To tell him, and he didn't fucking answer me. Well, what did you think? It was, it was just going to be like, wow, that's... Like, me? Look, I, I watched it. I watched it. I called Andrew because he was the only person I knew who would be up to answer me, and he and I ascended. <laughs> Some forbidden ass fucking knowledge. Go ahead, Noah. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that, but I, I am very, I'm glad that. Ten years after, nine years after the show began, that we can still get some enjoyment out of My Little Pony. But that's nothing to do with the show. Uh, talking about. Danny Chambers' performance, she is definitely the cutesier of the four. And oh yeah. In trying to encapsulate that personality, I, I I don't sometimes I get the sense like voice actors will put on an affectation or will be um you know, like change their natural voice a little bit in the recording booth. Like there's uh in episode two where they're going on their cat hunting missions, there's just a, a random no name character who's like, you know, I lost Michael, my cat, and it's so super high pitched up. I'm like, there's no way a human being sounds like that. But then you switch it over to Danny's performance, and it's like this just sounds like Danny having fun in the booth. Like maybe pitched up a little bit higher to to fit the. Uh, the character archetype, the the look of it, but other than that, just having a lot of fun with talking about um, uh, the adventures she wants to go on, or the many kinds of food she wants to have, or being absolutely ecstatic about beating two macho guys in a melon eating contest, or catching the giant seven flavored fish. Which honestly, that does sound really good. Like seven fish in one? Heck yeah, I want to catch that. 
I, I got no bad things to say about this. It's an absolutely adorable character that, like, all these characters, I really wish got, like, even more uh, of their backstories filled in. Because we don't really find out where any of them came from. We just v find out very briefly about why they wanted to be warrior or mage or priest or hero. But for, for what we get, Danny sounded like she was having a real blast in there. Uh, yeah. Megan, agree, disagree, what say you? Oh, is it my turn? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, so I, when I originally watched the show uh, for the first time in the simuldub, I was actually uh, wanting to keep watching it for Danny as Fi. She's my other one of my other favorite performances in the show. I am so used to Danny playing very subdued and very characters that people would call emotionless. She plays a lot of them, like Chisei and like um, Zenko? Zenko in the Morose Mononokian. Yeah, Zenko. She's she's the she's the girl that lives with um with uh what the what's his nuts that Brittany Lauda plays. Yeah, Hiko. Yeah, like those types of characters. That's where she, she gets typecast a lot. And this year was the year that they finally stopped doing that to her, <laughs> like overtly. I mean, when you do it um, so well the first between time between Funi, but sorry. Well, no, this is the year that I think she finally got to play, like, a little bit more of these, like, upbeat, cutesier characters, like Fi, yeah. like Funicia in Astra, and like, um, Otomi in Mix. Um, so that's another, we, we haven't talked about that, and I don't mind saying that she is that, because that was another one of my favorite performances of hers this year, is she's fantastic as the sister in Mix. So... But this is just so wild and so much fun. And you can hear that she's having so much fun playing this character. She brings it. She brings it. I think that she has, I think, the best grasp on her character. Because there's always this kind of, like, childlike innocence with Fi, too. Mm -hmm. um, where she's like, I don't really know what's going on, but I want to eat and I want to fight things. <laughs> and she literally is just this little Tarzan girl that has somehow made it in here, like... I, I totally want to see Fi from Endro just chilling out with Inosuke from Demon Slayer. Because they both lived in the woods. <laughs> and they would be, like, the biggest power combo ever. So, I I absolutely adore Danny as Fi. She has really stepped it up. Especially uh, her first time doing a character. At least, I didn't watch Haru Conoversy, so I can't talk about Ayasa. Ayasa? I don't know if she was an upbeat seer character. Oh, she was. Okay, so I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't seen Harukon Receive. Um, and I haven't seen Island because you, I don't want to watch Island. You don't have to watch Island. Um, Nobody has to watch Island. No, I don't! There, there are better versions of For $8,000, I will watch Island. $8,000. Jesus Christ, get me on that bandwagon. $8,000. Interesting you mention that because this this show, Endro, also has a bit of a time travel element to it. <laughs> Only done much, much better. Yeah. And for $40,000, I will watch another show that I'm not going to make fun of right now because I've done enough dunking on it. Uh, but no, I genuinely really adore her. And the other thing that I really liked about her is that Fi, when, when I think it's in episode 
three is where she does the I'm hangry speech. <laughs> yeah. The first and time. her like response noises and gnawing noises on Sarah's ears. To which God, Fi is a lesbian for Sarah, and you can't convince me otherwise. Um Speaking of Sarah, because uh, I'm I'm ready to move on. Sarah, she is the mom of she's the team mom of the group. She's the short, she's an archer. But she uses a hammer because she can only do archery when she's wearing glasses. Uh, and it's always those comedic, nerdy, swirly glasses, and she doesn't like to wear them. Uh, Sarah is kind of a mess. Kind of a study. Uh, she's also, for some stupid reason, like really secure, insecure about her boobs. But it does lead to one of the funniest moments in the show where in uh, her dreams, her ultimate dream is that her room is clean. And she's like... My room is so sparkly, but my shoulders have hurt lately on the counts of my bigger breasts. <laughs> and that knocks her out of it. Um, so, playing Sarah is Alexis Tipton. Alexis Tipton, you'll know as characters such as Lada Otis in Aka 13, Fuyumi Irasu in Hyoka, and Mizuki Hi- uh, yeah, Himeji in Baka and Test. Woo! Uh, so, Jamal, go ahead. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of funny how you mentioned, like, Fives and Lesbian for Sarah, because. My probably one of my favorite scenes where I started watching this cyber dub originally was uh when Fire just has her the leg lock, nibbling her ears and she was just screaming for her to stop. I thought the whole time that was Fire screaming. Nope, that was Sarah screaming. Like I just kept playing that repeat over and over and over again. But Alexis was perfect to say because you know I mean, every show, you gotta have that one character is kinda goofy, kinda the most picked on. Alexis does goofy very well, especially in some of the simpler moments, too. I will admit, it did take me a little while getting used to because of the character design, because I thought for some reason Sarah had a cape on. Turns out that was her hair. And... I don't know, it's just like, you know... Have to emote all the different emotions Sarah's going through. Especially when the group likes to call her mom sometimes. It's like, I'm not that old! <laughs> or like when she enters the dream world to rescue them, you know. She pretty much had to... At one point, she pretty much went giant just to take them on. Just to knock them out of their senses. Ah, come here all that. I don't know, I guess the insecurity, Alexis manages to play insecure very well. I mean, I don't know what the draw is, because when you know, you, when you, I, cause I think part of Edro is kind of a parody, like, especially when you deal with all these cliches and tropes, so maybe that boob thing was kind of to be expected. Especially when she has to, especially when she shakes five and say, but who cares if your boobs are small? But who cares if your boobs are small? I'm like... Yeah, because Fine has a filter when it comes to Sarah, but it's like, everybody's just dunking on her, but for once, it doesn't feel bothersome or anything, or, nor did it detract anything necessary, f- necessarily from the show. And I think, for what it's worth, Alexis did a pretty good job of Sarah. Roots? Okay. Oh no! I dropped my Magnum condom for my huge dong. God damn it. <laughs> like that that was my immediate 
that was what I immediately thought of with the uh, with the dream sequence when she she had her clean room and the. Um... <laughs> I don't know how you came up with that. It's... But it's always sunny. That's... It's Danny DeVito. Oh, that would explain it because I've never watched It's Always Sunny. I was just kind of like, how are you connecting the dots there? But okay, <laughs> I watch a lot of It's Always Sunny. I'll, I'll, your delivery of that was very funny. I'm sorry that uh, I didn't catch that right away. Well, I don't do a very good Danny DeVito impression. Anyway, anyway. Now that I'm done explaining my joke, I, God, I, I really love Alexis Tipton playing such a neurotic character. It's great. It's refreshing. Yeah. It's, uh, I, when she gets emotional, I was basically rolling on the floor laughing. It was, it was that good. Um, I'm trying to think of something that immediately stood out for me. I I think it's when she first had to pull out her bow and explain, oh yeah, I don't use this because I, I'm very nearsighted and pulls out the goofy swirl glasses and successfully shoots the, the string holding the cat up. And That entire... The idea that they, just because you call out the cliches, because she says, I don't wear the glasses because otherwise people will just think of me as a bookworm, show, just because you call out the cliches doesn't make you better than the cliches. Right. But at the same time, um, oh god, like, like I mentioned, the, the whole episode with the, um, with the Cartado Eater that enters your dreams, like, that was... That was really great stuff with her, and the the whole thing that it was the fact that she realized that she had big boobs, that was the thing that immediately took her out of the dream. Like, that was, that was great. I, I usually don't really, I don't really like the small chest jokes, because I get a little old after a while. But that was that was actually really funny, and um, when Alexis has to play serious, like that's that was also really good. She she's really good at the mother mode kind of mentality. So kudos, thumbs up. Uh, Noah, you're up. Well, um, yeah, there's a. A thing that I really like about this show is that no two episodes are identical to each other. Um, a lot of times in uh, anime comedies, they'll ha they have an unfortunate tendency to reuse the same jokes quite a bit, and I, I was a little worried that that was going to be a thing for this show. That uh, Alexis, or I'm sorry, that Saron's entire personality was going to be tied down to like every episode we got to make a flat-chested joke, or every episode we got to make a nearsighted reference of some kind, which gets really tiring. Even uh, for shows that I really like, like Clanad. I, I like Clanad, but it does that a little too much with some of its characters. Endro, on the other hand, uh, gives us something new every episode. There's a new adventure every episode. There's a new shakeup to the uh, to what the characters are doing. And for Alexis, we get the opportunity to have someone who 
I feel like would be like a, a really good middle manager, like a really good desk worker, is being thrust into the world of adventuring and isn't always prepared for it. Like, I think it was like episode two where, no, it was episode one, I'm sorry. They were, they were doing their, their trial for school and they get, they get caught in a cage and uh, here Alexis just absolutely flipping out that they've been caught. Whereas everybody else just like really easily went through their exam. Nope, they got caught. And the entire time that Alexis gets to do her um, her more freaked out moments are like honestly some of the best comedy in the show. But she balances out with some really heartfelt, um, like serious moments as well. Um, it reminds me closest of um, her character of Choo Choo from Show by Rock, who is also that maternal leader kind of character, but also is kind of like get a load of these assholes kind of um, <laughs> personality towards her co-workers. And I absolutely love her to pieces. Like this, <laughs> She gets dunked on so much. Saron just gets absolutely picked on by everyone and everything, and she just deserves so much better than this. Yeah, Sarah is literally uh, overworked and underpaid the character. Like, <laughs> what am I, like, a really, a really good establishing moment in the show for Sarah is in episode two where Mal goes, hey, class prez. And she's like, I'm not the class president. Yeah, well, you're an elf. Aren't you always a type of, oh, ho, ho, we're so much better than you. We're looking down on you. You know, it's not really nice to stereotype, right? And she's just like dying about this. It's like, she can call me so well. And then, like, when she's talking about the horned gorilla, like, her fantasy is about saving the horned gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? Just Alexis's, like, dreamy fantasy of, like, and then one day I'm going to save a horned gorilla and he's going to, we'll sue them and he's going to go back to his colony and try to take over and I'll be his warrior in arms. And they're just like, what the fuck, Sarah? <laughs> they're just like, a uh, girl? Girl. Girl. And... You're just like, okay, honey, <coughs> you do you, baby. You do you, baby cheeks. Like, you have fun, Sarah. And she's always kind of this character that is screaming and yelling and just, God, these people are so fucking stupid the whole time. <laughs> but she clearly cares for them because they're family. Like, uh, when they go to the beach and she's trying to pull the uh, tip of the iceberg oh. monster. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Oh god, I bet they're already off playing again. I'll take this and and uh, May is just like, you weren't trying to take it as a souvenir. Well, I'm not anymore. <laughs> uh and just her over the top reactions to things is like some of the stuff I really just genuinely like about Alexis Tipton. Cuz Alexis Tipton when she gets to go crazy is so much fun. Like characters like May in My Hero and she's like about her babies. Or, like, Midore in Tokenrambu, or, um, she's also in Konowoto as, like, the character my mom hated for a very long time. Ooh. Uh, but, she's not Hozuki, she's the other one. I know who, I know. Whose name I'm blank, whose name I'm blanking Hero? on because I haven't watched Kono, uh, yeah, whose name I'm blanking on because Konowoto hasn't been airing for, like, three months, and it finally comes back, the simuldub comes back next week, so I'm so excited. Um, but, like, she was, she was a lot of, she's a ton of fun in this, and, yeah, so, are we ready to move yeah. on? Oh, yeah. So you can't have a hero if you don't have a demon lord to take out. 
Sadly, we're not learning how to summon one. But it will become our teacher. Mao, aka the Demon Lord, is a uh, is an itty bitty tiny child <laughs> who has the powers of Satan. Uh, so basically, a she's just on the Moe same Mountain, as... if you could say, you could say. So she basically is the same as every little kid. Yes, basically, <laughs> she is every child ever. Play, but here's the thing: uh, the Demon Lord has a voice for Mao's form as well as the bigger Demon Lord. Playing Mao is Allison Victorin, and playing the larger uh, Demon Lord form is Ray Hurd. Allison Victorin knows characters such as uh, Makoto Hashizaka in Boogie Pop and others, Kichi in Carnival, and Nagagitsune in Token Rampu Hanamaru. And just for the record, for anybody who has never seen that show, she is both the fox and the boy in that. So if you've ever never heard Allison Victorin play like a teenage boy character, you should watch that dub. Ray Herod, you'll know as characters such as Ryujin Zanba in All Out, Keiichi Mayama in Hinamaru Zumo in Kizaru in One Piece. Uh, so Jamal, if you want to take it away. Uh, let's get this out of the way, Ray Herd. Uh For the longest while, when I saw episode one, I thought it was actually Chris Rager. I, could, I couldn't believe my ass, because I'm not used to Ray Herd this often, uh, up to now. But I thought he did a pretty good job being the medicine demon lord. It's a shame we didn't get to hear as much of him because you know demon lord is. I I get I, I don't know if it's this actual true form. I think no a, no the little girl no, is a, his true form or her true yeah form. yeah that's what that's what yeah, yeah that's what I thought. To which Alice did a very good job and I would say in a way she's actually kind of playing. For type and against type because with Allison you don't really see her as little girls as often. You hear her more as little boys, maybe some little girls, but in this one, like she wasn't trying to be cute or anything. You know, it was the character decided. She was just try. I guess she was just trying to go about her way because you know she is the demon lord in the end. At the beginning, after resurrection, Uh but and. She was like I said, she wasn't playing cute, but when you hear her like I guess be antagonizing to the hero party for, you know, reasons she keeps to herself. I thought she did a very good job and I mean she didn't really have to play up any aspects up until episode six when she starts coming down with a fever. Or any other scene where you see her and Morgan Bay just drinking together, just hanging out. Twitch, we're not talking about that character, but, uh, Walking Bay did a pretty good job as her, and, uh, having to reverse your thoughts is probably a very hard process, because you say one thing and speaking another, and Allison has to relate, to respond to that in kind of a way where it's like, you know, the two are just good friends, the teachers, but back to Mao the Demon Lord. I think these overall these two did did very well. And, I mean, really, that's all I have to say. So. Okay. Um. So one thing I really love about Mao and the Demon Lord is um. Her big form is just her giving up airs because the little girl body just isn't intimidating. Also, um, are we talking about the other teacher? 
No. Okay. No, we're not. We just we're just mentioning her in, in passing. Okay. Well, I I do love her interactions with the other teacher and um. Who who plays her? Uh, it sounded like Morgan Barry. Morgan is. Barry. It is. Yeah, Jamal just mentioned it actually. Okay. Um, I I really liked the, both of their interactions and like the whole thing at the bar. Like I I. <laughs> I want to say it was something from uh, Space Dandy, but I really like Allison Victorin's uh, drunk voice. Because, um, like, yeah, that's did, hilarious. Did QT get drunk in Space Dandy? I don't think it was drunk, but I think it was, like... I think it was, like, the the last episode of the first season where QT's in love. I want to say. Or With maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I, I believe that. I can very easily imagine QT getting, like, a little tipsy. Yeah. But anyway, I... I, I really like how she also kind of gives uh, Mao a bit of a Sundere personality. and Like, she doesn't really... She first becomes a teacher in order to expel the girls so that they won't turn around and defeat her. However much time has passed after... After they graduate from school to defeat the Demon Lord. But then slowly endears to them to the point that... She can't actually bring herself to become the Demon Lord to fight them. And I love... I really love her arc in the latter half of the, of the series when she's starting to come to terms with the fact that, you know, maybe I don't want to be the Demon Lord after all. Like, that was... That was great. And the realization that she kind of has to because of, you know, the Wheel of Fate and all that. Like, I... That was a really great character arc. And, um... Ray Hurd as the the big intimidating body I really liked. And I don't know whose personality was sort of primary in the booth, but I, I love how Allison and Ray could both kind of work off of each other. I don't know if one of them dubbed their role for... <clears throat> Like, it would have been really cool if, like, Allison Victorin had dubbed the big Demon Lord body stuff first so that Ray Hurd could, you know, hear it and imitate it in the mic. But probably, that probably didn't happen. He probably just, you know, did his research and imitated it as best he could. But it ended up really well, and I really liked it, and saw a thumbs up. I had a similar thought, too, about... Uh, the recording process for having two two actors playing basically the same character just in different modes. Um, and I was kind of wondering, like, what if they had, uh, like, Alison Victorin, like, record it and then use a pitch correction or something to make it, like, a Hulk voice? But I I'm much uh, much happier with what they did with having Ray Hurd uh, play the, the big bad voice instead. Um, it's it's growlier and it's uh, it's not as uh, intimidating as some shows that have like these demonic characters, but it doesn't have to be. It, it's supposed to be no, it's just like, like, a comedic. big voice. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, because it's... None of, none of the show is supposed to be scary. Like, there's not supposed to be anything frightening about this show. 
So I yeah, I like what Ray did with this um large um hulking bad guy that uh is just just a facade really for a much smaller girl. And that and that really is commendable because again, it's I don't think that he tried to match uh Allison's uh speech pattern exactly, uh just sharing them side by side. It sounded like of someone who's trying to, I don't, I almost, I don't want to make this comparison, but I kind of want to compare it to uh, Oz from The Wizard of Oz. You know, he's got the giant yeah, head. It yeah, sounds way different. Yeah, yeah, it's way, it's different than um, the actual guy behind the mask. So, uh, but yeah, good job on Ray for filling that role in. And for Allison, this is, um, it, it reminded me a lot of her Naru voice from Barakamon, but just pitched up to intense levels of, of, Sundariness. Like this, this is a character that has been so put upon, just been sent back in time, turned into a smaller version of herself, and well, not a smaller version of herself, but a less powerful version of herself. And it's very fun to listen to. Like this is the kind of role that Allison was born for when it comes to playing little girl characters. It's there's a lot of snark, there's a little bit higher voice in there, and she has one of the best cackling fits I have ever seen. I was absolutely floored by she starts to go into the evil laugh voice and then <coughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was the scene where, where everybody started oogooing. Yeah. <laughs> because you're not supposed to take her seriously as, as a powerful demon. So that, that w- it sounded like uh, Allison was having a lot of fun with that. Um yeah, as far as like uh, any of the acting portions of this, um, nothing but good things to say. So good job, Allison and Ray. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't think the the stuff with the big demon lord body was meant to be taken straight, like a lot of this show. No, it's it's definitely farcical. Oh yeah. Wait for the joke to sink in. Yeah, like a lot of the demon lord body stuff. A lot of the Demon Lord body stuff also oh. has a lot of, like, a kind of uh, voice-filtered mix of the two of them at times. Really? Yeah, there's a couple of times where you hear them both coming out of the one body. Um, one of the th- you know, you know what Allison Victorin is now reminds me of? Hmm. Hmm. And this is probably going to be a cut that is a little deep for some people, and then there are going to be some people, potentially Andrew, uh, who don't know this because they're younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a little, there's a little Disney movie that came out in the early 2000s uh, that had a, a, a wonderful actress who is no longer with us named Eartha Kitt in it. <laughs> and in that movie, Eartha Kitt plays in, <laughs> plays an evil sorceress who's trying to kill David Spade. Pull the lever, crunk. Oh, okay. Wrong lever. And she is, and she is accompanied... <laughs> She's played by, and she's accompanied by Patrick Warburton doing his Patrick Warburton impression. But uh, he basically Patrick Warburton got animated. Uh, and that movie is called <laughs> The Emperor's New Groove. For all of you who don't know what I'm talking about, but at one point Yzma is put into the body of a kitten, <laughs> and she maintains being a psychopathic killer. While in the body of the fluffiest little kitten you've ever seen, with Eartha Kitt's voice like pitched up. <laughs> and god damn it does Allison Victoria and his tiny Mal remind me of Kitten Yzma <laughs> especially with the whole <laughs> and she's like trying to cover it up and like when she's getting drunk at the bar with Morgan Berry who's like super kind of creepy to her actually 
because Mao is literally a child. Um, but I think as as funny as Mao is, um, as Mao is when she's being this kind of over the top maniacal demon lord who's trying to get rid of uh, Yusha and the team and all of these crazy zany schemes. Uh, she also has a lot of heart in this performance because uh, I think one of you guys meant, I think it was maybe Roots mentions it, that uh, kind of going through the show, Mal kind of gives up on being the demon lord. She's like, well, this is kind of stupid. But then you also realize uh, in the episode where she gets sick that being the demon lord made her immensely lonely. And she was this kind of small little girl who uh, had like a secret base under the back of her throne that she would just sit and read in. And even her her uh, golem servant, who I think was Michelle Rojas. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, even she, even Michelle, even her golem, who's played by Michelle Rojas, wouldn't be her friend. She was. She saw her as a master. Um, and. Allison has this kind of very melancholy, like, lonely little girl aspect to her performance that I think really shines through because of the sincerity of the show. Um, and then blending that with Ray Hurd, who I, I find it immensely funny because Ray Hurd does have that big, booming voice. Yeah. And you go from this big, booming voice to this tiny little, this itty bitty little girl voice. Because... <laughs> I remember, uh, like, when I was a baby weeb, one of my favorite shows to watch was Negima. Ooh. And Alice and Victorin was the twins in Negima, so I was very familiar with her as these cutesy, devious little girls. So I find it just really funny that, like, these tiny little demon twins turn into Ray Hurd <coughs> with magic and the whole Wizard of Oz thing. But I really like it, and I really do want to know what the recording process was for how they did this, was... Would Allison come in and record for the big demon thing to match some of the mannerisms? Because there are times where that big demon lordy form has some of Mal's mannerisms. Uh, like a big example of this is when um, when uh, the princess, who whose name I'm forgetting, when Rona uh, insists that she be kidnapped and that they in that you should fight the demon lord. And you can hear in Mal's voice that she's concerned about her because it's her teacher and she thinks that Rona's pushing it too far. And I do think that there are times where uh, Ray does have to play tiny Mal in this huge, like, Wizard of Ozzy body. And I think that that does come across as very well done. Um, I wouldn't say it's my, my personal favorite performance in the show. I do think that it is a lot of fun. But there are some other performances that I'm a little uh, more fond of. So, moving on to our final character. It's time to get to the hero that will defeat the Demon Lord. And that is Yusha. Yushia Sardet. Uh, uh, which I think is really funny is that her name is a play on the Japanese word for hero, I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, thank you, because I know what that is, because... I know a bunch of weebs who just use the Japanese name of Rising of the Shield Hero, so I've learned this. Uh, so, playing her is Amanda Lee. Amanda Lee, uh, besides being known as the YouTube artist Lee and Lee, uh, and for doing various multiple anime covers, she is also Akiho Shinomoto in Cardcaptor Sakura the Clear Card Arc, Junko in Zombieland Saga, and Anzu in Hinamatsuri. So, Jamal, start us off. 
Hey, so Madeline, this role, I think she was kind of perfect. I mean, really, you could have slided anybody into this if you needed to up the energy. I mean, someone like Brittany Karbowski, but I think Amanda Lee provides just a, a touch, something special to Yusha, because, you know, Yusha is frantic, she's aloof, of course, a big goofball. Eh, she's not right in the head sometimes, but, you know, she has dedication, she has motivation for wanting to be a hero. And, and, very sh and Madeline shows it very well in this performance. I will admit, there was, there was like one huge moment like in the last episode when I, <laughs> when I thought, like, well, the spoilers, when she's about to take out the Demon Lord, and I, I actually started almost crying like the first time I watched it. Because I was like, is this actually going to happen? Is this going to happen? And then all of a sudden, she just takes the sword and throws it into Lindsay Seidel's mouth, and then she's no longer the hero. To which, can we talk about that for a second? Like, because Lindsay Seidel just played this little chibi thing, and apparently the objective for her is to erase the concept of things. So, by doing that, like, you know, the whole thing between hero and demon lord is no more, which it resolves in happy ending, which I'm okay with, but still, that was... A bit of a MacGuffin. She ex machina. I mean, to they be fair, they cheapy. show hints of what was going to happen if you pay attention. What, you mean every time you see Chibi on screen? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, because I would. Yeah, because I remember the macro episode where Chibi just swallows up Chris George, and I'm like, wait, what is going on here? But back to what I was saying, yeah, that scene almost had me in tears, like, the first time around. It almost had me in tears the second time around, but, you know, Yusha just wants to make everyone happy. Madeline does a very good job of conveying that very well. I mean, she had so much energy going into this character. It's like, Brittany Karbowski on cocaine. Like, there was no saccharine, there was no sucralose, there was no stevia, it was just... 100% King Sugar, and I enjoyed every moment of it. Okay, uh, you all set? Yeah, I was holding for laughter, but oh, okay. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That's all good. Um, anyway, um, like with um, Amber Lee Connors, um, Amanda Lee isn't a voice I'm entirely accustomed to yet. Um, Mainly Hinamatsuri was the, is where I specifically remember her for, and I I do remember giving her a dubby for that, but, um, I'm, I'm still not used to it yet, but I, I have to say this was a really great performance for a character that could have very easily been one note. Because, you know, the the hero is brave, but also kind of bubbly and and cheerful. And, you know, that could have very easily been a... She could have very easily been a, a dull character in, in both the Japanese and the English. But I'm really glad that, like, she plays her with Pep, but at the same time... 
conveys some of the more emotional scenes very well. I, um... I'm trying to think of a moment that really encapsulated um, Yusha as a character, and, um... Like, honestly... Was it the... What was that? Uh, was it um, the second-to-last episode? No, it wasn't the second-to-last. It was the episode where Rona has her fake kidnapping, and... Yusha has her yeah. ex explanation, basically, of why she's doing this, yeah. and it's it's not because I'm the hero; it's because she's our friend. Right. Okay. Yeah, that actually I mean, does do a very good job of conveying Yusha as a character, and um, Amanda Lee did a really great job of getting through the. Um, I'm doing this for the sake of my friends, without kind of seeming. Oh, I. Like, there is a point where sweet becomes sickeningly sweet, cloyingly sweet, and the character of Yusha has to straddle that line a lot, and I'm I'm glad Amanda Lee was able to ride the, that curve very well and not fall into the, what I like to call the lavender portion of the sweetness scale, where it just overpowers everything around it. So, great job, Amanda Lee. Thumbs up. You did good. Lap? I mean, lavender as in, like, Yeah, the, if you cook the... with lavender, you have to be very careful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah especially if you make ice cream. I thought it's what you were going for. Yeah, because it's... Uh, yeah. Oh, that's... yeah. I'm so glad that I'm in a chat with people who know how to cook. Thank you very much for reinstilling my faith in humanity. Just like you should uh, reinstates my faith in humanity. Um, ever since, I could be wrong about when this trope started, but ever since Madoka came out, I feel like we've been seeing a lot of shows that have female ensemble groups, and the pink-haired one is always the, the pure-hearted, good-natured one who basically saves the world through the power of positive thinking. Like, we saw it in... Uh, wish Upon the Pleiades, and we say it again in a show like this, and it's really refreshing. It it really is nice that Amanda was able to tap into that um, slightly naive but still pure-hearted goodness without being cynical-natured about it, or being someone who you can essentially laugh at. Like, uh, you watch the show, and because the show starts out with a big question mark over, what is your class? It's not really the kind of introduction that lends itself to thinking that this person is going to be the kind of hero that she is, but just she, she, by being a good-natured person, really does uh, carry the emotional core of the show. And Jamal, it's really funny that you mentioned Brittany Karbowski, because when I was listening to Amanda's performance in this, it reminded me a lot of her Karen from, uh, uh, Brittany Karbowski's Karen from uh, Review Starlight, just that, not just the personality, but also the pitch as well. And I don't really have, like, a voice in my head when I think of Amanda, because I've heard her in things like um, um, Zombieland Saga or Kakarillo, and they've been all slightly different-sounding voices. But this is definitely a lead voice where I can see her being that same spunky, slightly naive, but good-natured female lead going forward. And, yeah, that nothing but good thing to say on that. And as far as that ending goes, where she just decides, it's, nope, I'm not going to kill the bad guy i'm not going to 
let her take over the world. I'm going to basically do, um, we're going to pull the same ending as Avatar The Last Airbender, where we're just going to take the evil away from the person, and that fixes the problem. I don't have to be a murderer, and everybody can live in peace and happiness. My god, they do Avatar The Last Airbender, this <laughs> thing. <laughs> it was either that or they were going to do Magic Knight Ray Earth, and we can't have that. So I'm, I'm fine with them going with the, the cop-out approach. I've never seen either, so that's got over my head. I, I intentionally left it that way for those who haven't seen it yet, because I don't want to spoil what happens in Magic Knight Ray Earth. Or Avatar The Airbender, because a- that was actually a really good ending. That it was. It's, it's a right now, GTA just shouting at the screen. It's <laughs> like, no, don't tell him what happened to the princess. Anyways, Megan. Princess Megan, your turn. Uh, okay. Oh, I'm a princess too now. Yay. Princess power. Princess of the birthday party. Uh, no, I... Princess of the birthday. It's my party. I'm a party princess. Democratically elected leadership. (laughs) My leadership was determined by strange ladies giving out swords and lakes. (laughs) Not unlike Yusha. Thank you, boyfriend, for getting my joke. Not unlike she got hers in a dungeon. Close enough, though. This isn't a fate anime. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Yusha would be Saber class. Um, no, uh, I, I liked Amidalee's performance as, as Yusha. She was cute. She was charming. She was bubbly. She had the heart for it. Um, yeah, like, I, I liked it. I just don't know if I'd call it my favorite. There are times that I do think that it, it was a little too screamy for me, but that was the show. Um, though I was actually really surprised that she was the lead in this show. Um, like I said, I think that the the ensemble cast of this was very out of left field in some places. Like, uh, like there there was no like Brittany Karbowski, there was no Sarah Wiedenhoff, there was no um, I'm trying to think of the other the other kind of usual suspects you see in in these types of like Moe Q- no Jade herself being in this. Um, like kind of your obvious suspects for Yusha weren't that weren't in this show, and I I do genuinely enjoy that casting. I do think that she does a really good job with this character, and I think she nails it. I think she is she's really cute, uh, but I would say by the nature of its show, except for the ending where Yusha does just say fuck it, um. And, and kind of changes the script in, in, in the weird heartfelt satire that the show is, if it even if I can even call it satire, um, I think that that's where it really gets it. And she gets she's kind of dumb and doofy and funny at points too. Um, so overall, I do think it's a very solid performance out of her. Um, definitely wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing Amanda get more of these kind of upbeat, cutesy, cherry characters. Uh, and a few more leads, too. Uh, I know she's a, a lead in, like, a Sentai show that I haven't seen yet. And I know that a lot of people have, like, wanted me to watch because it's actually a pretty good fantasy show, too, like this. But overall, I think she does a really strong, solid job. So if, Jamal, you want to start us off with our final thoughts. 
Yeah, so ever since the beginning this, this year, I was kind of bummed when we kind of passed over the show as one of our seasonals, because this was a very good watch. Like, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, it was worth spending every Saturday afternoon. I may have skipped the sh shift or two here and there, but uh, it, it was a very fun watch. I... I really enjoyed the cast, I really enjoyed the characters, I enjoyed the story, the color palette, uh, some of the goofiness that goes on, some of the serious moments that happens, and Jane managed to make every moment work. I mean, as you can tell, it didn't hit off in some places, but that didn't detract from the show overall, and uh, I, I'm really hoping to see more shows like this at some point because you know in this day and age like when you got something that's like a whole bunch of isekai or in this case detective shows something like that you kind of need uh something that's heartfelt slice of life and so slice of life is not something you can do very easily as well because you know you gotta be able to keep people engaged without making them bored otherwise that's how you lose your audience and Edro is just a wonderful delight and uh as i uh as I bring this wonderful caravan to a halt, uh, Roots, why don't you take it from here? Yeah, so this is a, um, this is a show I actually didn't expect to like as much as I did. I honestly expected this to be, uh, a bit more of a K-On than what we ended up getting. Because, mm -hmm. um, like like Megan, I find um, I found Kaon to be a little too cloyingly sweet. So yeah, um, characters were funny and snappy, and they played off of each other very well in the dub. Uh, very solidly directed, very solidly written, with the jokes being more or less localized, but still within the spirit of the original. Um, and you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to repeat something I said in the uh, Kochiki episode. And that is, check out the smaller shows that Funimation is dubbing. Check out the smaller shows that Sentai is dubbing, or, or Crunchyroll, or Viz. The stuff that they're not really necessarily heavily promoting, but they obviously have enough faith in the property to put some money into an English translation and cast. Because um, sometimes you'll find some really great hidden gems in there. And this, while I had initially written it off, was a great, fun, funny, entertaining experience. So I would heartily recommend checking it out. Sweet. Um, I want to, um, to thank Megan because um, the last week that we had to um, to watch this show because I hadn't seen it when it came out. Um, I had originally been planning on watching the second season of Carmen San Diego. I have not had a chance to do that yet, but I will get around to it. But I want to thank Megan because this was a surprisingly useful uh, show to watch uh, that I would have absolutely uh, passed up because I had no desire to watch what I kind of pegged as just another fantasy show because we've been getting a lot of these uh, fantasy shows set in a D&D type universe that I was like, what could exactly differentiate this one enough to make it worth the watch? And the answer is uh, a mix of the K-On! pedigree. Just 
a doofy comedy with sweet character designs that, while poking fun at the tropes that it's set in, is also very sincere about the uh, the power of friendship, like the entire dynamic of the characters. And they, they have like this very heartfelt moment when they get their memories back, basically, in the second to last episode, and they kind of rekindle their... Uh, their bond over all of the things that they've gone through together because they're not just friends sitting around in the club room drinking tea they actually go on adventures they do stuff they get better as the show goes on they get more powerful and that's really admirable and this dub uh surprisingly uh good cover of that just a good ensemble group that like we were saying characters actors who we would not have expected in this because we haven't really heard them do stuff like this before like Hearing Danny Chambers get to do a peppier voice instead of her more stoic voice, or hearing Trina do a more obnoxious voice instead of her uh, lower register. Just that mix of all the differences make this a really interesting watch. So thank you for recommending this one, Megan. It's not going to be something that I'm going to put at like the top of the things seen throughout the year list, but it is a good brains-off and relaxing show, and I think it's useful to watch those every once in a while. Like In the midst of all of the hard science fiction or hard drama shows that are out, it's good to have a nice, comfy, hot cup of hot chocolate on a rainy Saturday afternoon kind of show in your diet as well. And with that, I'll pass it over to the birthday girl. Yay, because this is technically going up on my birthday. If I don't seem as excited, like, we're recording this in October to give editing time because my birthday is actually on a Wednesday, so we'll be a little bit more excited the day of. Yay. If I'm not, like, in a post-anime NYC coma. Um, it also, and I, I should also say this, uh, I'm actually recording this kind of injured. Um... I hurt myself. I fell over and I hurt my leg mm-hmm. and my odd shoulder yesterday. Uh, but this will be healed as of the time that this is all edited and stuff through the magic of movies. <laughs> uh, no, this is just a dub that is really cute, um, and it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. Um, this is a show that is also just really cute and a lot of fun. Is it is it going to be like best of the year territory? Absolutely not. Um, I like this show a lot, but this is a very much a, a popcorn fodder show. I do not put this mm-hmm. in the same caliber of show as something like Fruits Basket 2019, Ostra Lost in Space, um, Oh, Maidens in Your Savage Season, which I haven't actually finished, but that was really good. Uh, and by the time that this is up, uh, the simul dub for this will be started, and I really want to put this on a lot of people's radars now. Uh, especially, especially Noah, because Noah likes another show that the director of the show watched. Um, I highly suggest all of you start watching the Stars uh, Stars Line. Oh, which Funimation is going to be simul dubbing in the fall season? And uh, hint, hint. I'm. I, I guess I'll spoil this, even though I shouldn't, because we should put it up for our patrons. But it'll probably be up by then. Uh, I'll be hosting a review of that show. Um, and off of episode one alone. It's going to be one of the best anime, I think, this year, if it can keep the course. Um, but, unfortunately, Ensemble Stars... Whoops, fuck. Wrong show. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, actually, you know what? Um, actually, you know what? But, no, Endro... Um, but Roots brought it up, and he and we brought it up with... Uh, both he and I both brought it up on uh, the show Coach Key, which I also think is a show that... Uh, despite the ending not being the best thing in the world, the show is still really good and its dub is still really good. Hence, we, we, we have an episode on it that will be out by the point that this is up. Um, but shows like Coach Key, 
like uh, this, like Endro, were... Yes, Endro does have a lot of really established actors. At this point, Alexis Tipton, Allison Victorin, Trina Nishimura, uh Amber Connors, and Amanda uh, are well-established enough. Though I do... St- and so are Danny and Amanda, if you watch a lot of stuff uh, that isn't your typical... Your, your My Heroes, your Dragon Ball Z's, your Dr. Stones, your stuff that isn't on Toonami, or isn't being highly pushed by... Uh, by your, by your major anime companies. Uh, but Kochki, uh, Endro, and I'll bring this up on that episode too, but I don't know when we're going to record it, but I think our patrons know. Uh, Ensemble Stars, which is also a show that uh, shares a director uh, with one of those those shows that I listed. Uh, you don't know which one. Uh, also has a cast that is made up of a lot of people who you don't necessarily see in a lot of really big name stuff, or you don't see them playing these particular characters in. Endro is in this weird little gap of being a fantasy show that probably got lost in the wayside because, unfortunately, uh, this year has a ton of fucking isekai. And a lot of people don't know the difference. They just see fantasy show with uh, video game or role-playing tactics. And especially, like, even a lot of people, like... As much as I don't like to talk about the show, a lot of people did that to Goblin Slayer when Goblin Slayer's not an isekai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yet these, yet both Endro and Goblin Slayer share a share a similar genre despite being miles apart. <laughs> they they are really on the opposite ends of the Holy spectrum. Holy shit! Yeah. Like if spectrum? if Goblin Slayer is bittersweet chocolate with no sugar in it, then this is like nice sweet melted chocolate on the opposite end of the spectrum. But uh, I, I do think that this dub is worth checking out. Not if, not because it's going to blow your, it's not going to blow you away. Like this isn't, this isn't to me personally, one of my like best dubs of the year, but what it is, is it's really solid and it's really enjoyable. And it's something that you can put on and watch and enjoy yourself. Like every, I, I feel like there's this weird perception in, in anime where, if a dub literally isn't, like, fucking Cowboy Bebop, what's the point in the dub existing? And I think that's a really awful notion for people to have, because not every dub is going to capture that magic. Like, not every show that gets dubbed is of the caliber of something like Full Metal Alchemist, of Cowboy Bebop, of, um... I'm trying to think of, like, another... another like, My Hero, like... Not every show that these people are going to dub are, are going to be that good. Uh, but I think it's a point that Noah had actually made years ago. And I think of all the things, I think it was on Pandora. Ki- I think it was on Crimson Shell Ghostern of all Bring shows. Where you said, Bring it full fucking circle. Not every anime is going to be someone's favorite anime, but it should be worked on like it is someone's favorite show in the oh, world. Oh, yeah. You're right. I did say that. And I think that this dub... And I think this dub does a really good job exemplifying that. Endro isn't going to win a lot of awards, but God forbid, this is probably someone's favorite anime. And I think that Jade and her team, with some flaws, I do think that the writing could have been a little bit funnier for certain scenes. 
it still works and it's still a lot of fun and I had a great time listening to it. Mm-hmm. If you would like to watch Intro... <laughs> If you would like to watch Endro in the sub, you can head on over to Crunchyroll. And if you'd like to watch the dub, you can head on over to Funimation. At the time of this recording and release, no. Pl- uh, at the time of this recording, uh, that could change as we are two days away from solicitations. Uh, the show has no planned home video release, but that could happen anytime within the next year. Um, as I believe this month starts the January solicitations yes. for Funimation. Uh, cool. So this year we'll start the January solicitation. This month, as of uh, probably October 15th, we'll start seeing the January solicitations. By the time that this goes up, there could potentially be a home video release if you would like to buy Endro. If you'd like to follow us at the Dub Talk Podcast, you can follow us at Dub Talk Podcast on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Tumblr is as dead as my hopes and dreams. Um, <laughs> Ouch. If you would, uh, if you like us, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you'd like to support us on the regular, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have a patron. You can join any of our tiers of patron and help support us. However, if you can't make a full-time commitment and you would like to donate to us one time, we do also have a Kofi link below. Uh, gentlemen, please whore yourselves out. <laughs> show that ankle. <laughs> Jamal? My uh, name's Jamal. <coughs> Let me try again. My name's Jamal. You can find me at Twitter, Jamstar529. On YouTube at Jamstar One, I plan on venturing into solo podcasting at some time. I do have maybe one or two other projects in the works, and I know this is Armand's thing, but I do have a dusty old song to recommend. Our we have a, a heroes party made up of a bunch of youths who pretty much have to fight the demon lord, the evil that is residing within the world. So my dusty old song to recommend to you is uh, We Need a Hero by Ron Wasserman, a.k.a. The Mighty Raw. And if you know where that song is from, you'll get the reference. <laughs> Wasn't that the song at the end of Shrek 2? No, it was not. I'm going to go put myself in a corner now. Proceed. Hey, yeah, so... um. I am Roots of Justice. You can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice, where I mainly just retweet cute animal pics, mainly pugs. I um, also talk about general fandom stuff, and um, I'm potentially looking at writing up a series of reviews for the fandom posts. I don't know when I'll be submitting these for, you know... I don't know when all this is happening, but I am working on it. I just have kind of a glut of Dub Talk anime reviews over the course of October and a little bit in November. So I will try to get all of that ready to go as soon as possible. Keep an eye out. Very cool. My name is Noah Clue, and you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue. I post comments about the world of animation and also pictures of my children because when you have children, you get to show off their development. Um, and in the revelation that my son is six years old it makes me feel very, very old. So thank you for that age. And to finally cop this off, um, going with the dusty old songs that you've never heard of, I'd like to finish off with a dusty old cartoon that you've never heard of. We just had a long podcast. About, we had a long podcast about... 
uh, girls going off on a quest and winning and basically succeeding through the power of their emotions. I would like to point to a cartoon from 1959. It's a short cartoon called Moonbird. And it basically what it is is the animators took the recordings of their children, their two kids playing, and they're like out having this safari adventure in their backyard. And then they animated to that and made this really trippy, very sweet cartoon that reminds me a lot of these four characters going off on their own adventures. So Moonbird from 1959. Check it out. I'm Megan. You can follow me at QueenEra2 on Twitter. I mostly shitpost and retweet a lot of Maldap Sushi Heart and Fire Emblem Three Houses memes. Um, literally, my di- my nickname on another Discord server is just Ojo-sama von Iger. <laughs> because I am Ferdinand von Iger. Um, best Fire Emblem meme. Best fucking Fire Emblem meme. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, you can follow me for mostly uh, shitpost, MDZSR, and Blue Lions love and support. Always love and protect your Blue Lion house. Also, uh, has anybody seen Karen? She's looking for Barney. Uh, but that being said, I want to thank everybody for coming to tonight's episode. Uh, now I'm going to go celebrate my birthday by probably going back to bed. Happy <laughs> right, birthday to my girlfriend! Say- yeah! Happy birthday, Megan. Stop and right that- there, Noah. Thank we guys. don't want this video getting flagged by Warner Brothers. <laughs> I wasn't going to sing. The copy, it's back in public domain, honey. I know, but the joke still stands. They d- War- we took- <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Aloha and Otaku on, my friends. Otaku on, And that is, the- that is the end role of this podcast. Keep it adventurous. And remember, kids, watch out for a large mouse in the entertainment business named one Mr. Charles Entertainment Cheese. I've been watching way too oh, much. I'm sorry, I've been watching way too much Defunct Land. Good, Good night, night, everybody. Otaku on, my friends. <laughs>